Hey, on this podcast, we're going to be talking about the priesthood of all believers and some cool lessons I learned from the Quakers. I'm going to give it to you really quick. Everybody can contribute more than you think. Self-awareness and valuing the group above selfish ambition is critical if you're going to move as a group. Belief that God wants to be in the driver's seat uh, regarding community growth and teaching, not you or others. Inserting yourself into every growth process will limit the growth of a group, meaning that it requires you. God does not require you to grow a community. Uh, And the last one is humility, letting go of control, taking risks, and trusting God to become vulnerable yourself is required for you to be able to participate in the priesthood of all believers like the Quakers. I gave you all the lessons all up front, but you want to hear the stories I got to share in this podcast. Hope you tune in. Welcome to the Kindling Fire. My name is Troy Mangum. God is preaching a sermon to the world through people's lives. People's experience, history, and testimonies all point to some amazing attribute of God that you too can experience. I interview revolutionaries, fire starters, and troublemakers. This podcast is here to be a voice of encouragement in your life. A voice that says, with God you can, and with God you will step into the abundant life. So let's get rolling. Hey guys, hope everybody is doing awesome. I'm glad to be back doing a podcast. I'm going to be talking about the priesthood of all believers and Quakers. Uh, If you've been on my Instagram, I hope you've enjoyed some of those blog posts that I've been re posting. Uh, I used to have a blog probably five, six years ago, and I've been kind of condensing those things down, putting it on my Instagram, and I hope you guys have been enjoying it. I've seen a few people interact with them. Some of them are controversial, and so it's kind of fun to to see what you guys think. But today we're going to be talking about the priesthood of all believers, and I love this topic because the Kindling Fire, what what we are all about is you being empowered you being empowered to follow God as God has called you to follow um, follow Him. And sometimes our church practice, like we have a theology of the priesthood of all believers, and I'll talk about what that is, but our church practice is sort of like, it's just not that way. You know, everybody doesn't get to participate unless you're talking about parking cars. So uh, this is uh, why I get so stoked and uh, honestly, I've got a ton of notes. I got a bunch of scriptures I want to share with you guys and kind of teach you a little bit about the, the Quakers and kind of what I did in my own family. And honestly, I, I think I should just stop stop talking about it and get into it. And so here we go. Uh, so let the the idea of the priesthood of all believers comes from 1 Peter 2, 9. And that verse says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood a holy nation. So this harkens back to the idea of of priests who would minister to the Lord and kind of have were close to the Lord. And it talked about that, you know, the Jewish race was kind of those that were, you know, at a distance with God and those were close to God. And the priests were those that were close to God, uh, physically close to God in the Holy of Holies and the and the um, little sacred temple places um, and etc. So, um, in the New Testament, uh, it's taught that those that follow Jesus are a chosen people, just like the Jewish race, 
And a royal priesthood means everybody becomes priest. It's not like the Levites when in Jewish culture, you know, the Levites were a special chosen people to minister to the Lord. Everybody is a Levite. Everybody's a priest. Everybody gets direct access to God, just as if he's your dad, which he is uh, actually. So, so why is that so cool? Well, it's so cool because we all get to participate. But a lot of times, uh, the way that we do church does not affirm this very orthodox, traditional uh, Christian theology belief based on this verse. Uh, this is actually a definition that, that, I, that I read about the priesthood of all believers as a theology. I'll just kind of read it to you. It's that basically is that all believers are priests means that not only they can minister, they can, not that all of them are ministers, but each person in the pew has a right and the authority to read, interpret, and apply those teachings in the Bible. The caste of priests does, uh, does not have this right uh, any longer. No longer do we place uh, an implicit faith in the teachings of the church, like the church structure, um, the official teaching arm of the church, but uh, like the Bereans, and this is a reference to Acts 17, uh, 11, the Bereans in the days of the Apostle Paul, we can immediately learn from the Word of God and the instructions of the Holy Spirit. So we're not necessarily... Uh, now, this doesn't negate teaching. I'm going to get to this, or, or pastors, or anything like that. But it gets to how um, individual believers, by the New Testament design, can read Scripture, interpret Scripture, apply Scripture um, uh, in, in, their own, in their own life. They don't necessarily need a priest or a go-between to help them. Now, they may need teachers, but that's that we'll get into this. So a shepherd, so this would be like a pastor. A shepherd cannot say to the people in the pew, I have no need of you because the spirit has gifted me to be a shepherd. So that idea is I'm the pastor or I'm the teaching pastor or whatever. And I don't need you guys, but by God, you need me to teach you the Bible. Consequently, the people in the pews cannot say to the shepherd, uh, I have no need of you because I am a priest in Christ. Uh, meaning, I don't need you to teach me anything. God can teach me directly. God has sovereignly arranged the body of Christ in such a manner that each part through different functions and gifts needs each other. So this is uh, referring to 1 Corinthians 12 about us being a body. And there was some reference. Uh, it's alluding to verses that talks about can the ear say to the eye, I don't need you? Or can the eye say to the foot, I don't need you? And the idea is implicitly, we all are needed in the body of Christ. And so, so a lot of times when we talk to the priests of all believers, a lot of times people kind of throw this into the camp of, we don't need pastors anymore. We don't need anybody to teach us. The Holy Spirit will teach us directly. And then you've got, you know, swing into the other side saying, you definitely need leadership because you guys are all out of whack and all this other stuff. And there's definitely not this interdependency. This is the thing that, that is so powerful about the priesthood of all believers theology is that there's interdependency. The pastor needs the pews. The pews need the pastor. Like, they both need each other and they need each other in different ways. So, one of the key scriptures uh, that uh, talks about the engagement of us as priests is 1 John 2.27, and it says, But the anointing that you have received from him abides in you, and you do not need anyone to, should, 
to teach you. Uh, but as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is not a lie, just as it is taught you, abide in him. So that's that verse in uh, the ESV version. And so the idea there is that the Holy Spirit with the scriptures can teach you. And just like a body, there is interdependency on one another. You have something I need. I have something you need. And this is a little different. Uh, and, and, and I know that sometimes we go into church cultures and they're like, we need you, we need you. But they don't really need your giftings. They need you to fill in a slot in their volunteer roster because they already got everything pretty much figured out and they just need some volunteers to do their thing, their vision. And so that's very common in churches. And so what I'm proposing and what I'm going to propose through this podcast and talking about how the Quakers did things is that there was a lot more interdependency and a lot more cross-teaching and cross-ministering. And so you can think of it this way. Uh, Do pastors minister to people that are in their churches? Absolutely. They teach them. They inspire them. They encourage them. Do people in the church inspire and encourage and teach the pastor? Most often than not, the answer is no, uh, because that's just how it's structured. But, but the problem with that is that there is a fundamental truth that, one, the church is God's, and God wants to teach the church, and that the teaching role of a teaching pastor um, is a role, but it's not the whole body of Christ. It's a role. There are other parts of the body that can can teach and can offer truth. And so let's talk about how the Quakers actually kind of integrated this into their practical church service. So you guys might have heard the verse that says, be still and know that I am God. That's Psalms 4610. And this is actually a really relevant verse as it relates to how the Quakers did church and how they translated the priesthood of all believers into their actual practice, faith practice as a community. So what was the Quakers? Well, first off, the Quakers are called friends, which I love. And there's a reason why they actually call friends, because they believe that everyone is is equal that walks into the, the church. And if you're on social media at all, you know how much people are flaming everyone that is any kind of authority in the church. Everyone's a liar. Everyone's a fake. Everyone, you know, it's just, it's over the top, you know, and, and, uh, and it's kind of sad. I mean, not that there's not scandal. God knows Mike Bickle thing just came out this, uh, this week and, you know, and I, uh, actually just posted something on Instagram about it that I would recommend you go and check out. Uh, uh, an article by Dr. Michael Brown about how to handle it. But the short, I mean, okay, right. There's no, there's no shortage of people disappointing people, right? 100% meaning pastors falling and et cetera. And I've written much about, you know, pastors that I've known that have been gay and, you know, just gone off and done terrible things sexually across genders and all. It's just whatever. All that being said, I love the church. And I love that God calls people to be shepherds and overseers and elders and evangelists and all these things. And I'm not a church hater, okay? And so one of the reasons why I was so excited about what I learned about the Quakers, which I'm going to get into, um, was they really allowed a space for for this interdependency uh, of the body and there was a little bit of, there still was oversight with elders, people that are older in the faith. 
And so because they allowed for an environment where God can interact in immaturities, people's immaturities and selfish motives and all the things would not get squashed in, in the view of controlling the environment. Uh, which most churches do, right? You're not, you're not going to let weird things happen and all the implications of weird things. Um, but it also s- tends to squash the ability of God to inter- to contribute what God wants to contribute and teach the whole church through the body. So, well, okay, you know, like what the, what the heck are you talking about? So let's get into their service and, and uh, it will make sense. So the Quaker worship service, basically they have no ministers, they have no pastors, and they have no creeds. And this is in its traditional sense. Since since this time, they some fringe churches have, have pastors and stuff. But since, you know, in its original form, in its purest form, this is what it was. And they gather together in silence to quiet the mind. So think of be still and know that I am God. So they basically literally would gather together and be quiet. Like no band, nothing. Just a community sitting in quiet before the Lord. Like how awkward is that? So, you know, first off, kudos to them to kind of stepping into that. But they sent the quiet to mind. They don't have set hymns, prayers, sermons. Nobody's coming with a prepared sermon. Nobody's coming with a prepared, you know, like I've got to do my show. Nobody's doing that. Everybody just shows up. The requirement is show up and, and see how God teaches the community. And in the stillness, they basically said they open their hearts and their lives to, to an inspiration from the Holy Spirit. And sometimes they are moved to share uh, in those moments. So the founder of the Quakers was a guy named George Fox, um, and it's called the Society of Friends. It was founded in England, and the name actually comes from uh, a term that that basically said they would quake or tremble at the word of God. So there was a sense in the community that the word of God, they would literally tremble at the word of God, and they became called the Quakers. Now at that time, around there was a lot of what the wiki calls religious enthusiasm and this is the the time of where the methodism was was getting kicked off and all this stuff like pre-america being a country um and a lot of people would have a lot of like uh, religious fervor and have physical manifestations uh like like shaking um and so so anyway um that's neither here nor there i'm just kind of giving you that information so so basically as the holy spirit um, would guide the meeting. So they'd be sitting in silence and, and the Holy Spirit may reveal to someone um, something that needs to be shared, like a song, a prayer, a sermon, a Bible verse, whatever, a vision. <clears throat> and they didn't need a, a pastor to be sort of like walking them through a program, a predefined program, they were literally meeting, they were coming together and they arrived as equals. And get this, they would sit not in a stage audience uh, kind of environment where you're going to get taught from the front, but they would sit in a circle or, or a square. And I love this, and I'll just kind of do a quick diversion here for a second. Um, I recently pre- reposted a, a podcast about Hochoka which is a Lakota Sioux word, uh, which is a word for multi-generational men sitting in a circle and learning uh, learning from one another. That is called hochoka. 
And, um, and so there's this concept of equals, even though they might be multi-generational and, mul- and differences in maturity, that they can still sit as equals and learn from one another. Powerful, powerful idea. And so um, another thing is that there, there really is no structure. So there's no one that's leading it. Think about that. You go into it like, man, I haven't been in a meeting. I can't remember the last time I've been in a meeting that, quote, nobody was leading it but the Holy Spirit. Everybody's got their stuff pre-prepared and they get their, you know, I just need an audience so you can hear my thing. And, uh, you know, a lot of times it's just an expression of their own need for attention and it's not really super helpful as it relates to the Lord really teaching the body. Uh, Sometimes it's helpful. Uh, but if, you know, if I was a betting man, I'm saying that's probably helpful 20% of the time and the other 80% is more of a, you know, just, just listen to me talk and I'm supposed to come up with stuff kind of thing. So that being said, a uh, couple other things about, about the Quakers that I thought was super cool. So they would basically wait, they would gather together in silence and they would wait expectantly expecting that God was going to speak. Um, so they all collectively expected God to speak. And, and they had no plans about how the meeting would proceed. Um, and, and the practice would vary widely between meetings and individual worship services. So there was no kind of rote way of doing it other than just wait for the Lord and see what happens. Um, basically, uh, it goes on uh, to kind of talk from Wiki. This is actually directly from Wiki. Friends believe that God plans what what will happen and with his spirit leading people to speak a participant who feels led to speak will stand and share a spoken ministry or they call it vocal ministry uh, in front of others when this happens quakers believe that the spirit of god is speaking through the speaker after someone has spoken it is customary to allow a few minutes to pass in silence for reflection of what was said before further vocal ministries which means something you know that people can hear uh is given um so uh some other uh some early quaker ministers were women and so that's actually super interesting uh just as a side note susan b anthony who was a powerful woman's leader for women's rights um she was a quaker uh william penn the founder of penn university or um uh, was a quaker george fox who i've already talked about uh, you may have heard of Fox's Book of Martyrs. It's an old Christian book detailing all the martyrs of Christ, uh, of Christianity. He, he wrote that. Um, so some Quaker min, uh, ministers were women. They based their message on the belief that Jesus had come to teach his people himself. Again, I'm going to read that again. They based their message on the belief that Jesus came to teach his people himself, stressing direct relationships with God through Jesus Christ and the belief in the universal priesthood of all believers. The personal religious experience of Jesus was acquired by direct experience and reading and studying the Bible. The Quakers focused their private lives on behavior and speech reflecting emotional purity and uh, fidelity. And so... So one of the things that I was really thinking about this, uh, because it really got me going, because um, it was just kind of a, a recently we my my family was all getting together, and uh, based on timing and other things, we didn't end up going to church as a family. And I thought we should have church at home. Well, 
you know, if you've ever tried to do this with your family, uh, you know, it tends to be whoever the motivated person is speaking and the other people being like, yeah, okay, are you, are you good now? Are we good now? And, and it doesn't tend to be a very exciting experience. That's been my experience. Um, so, so I, so I started reading about this. I'm like, oh my gosh, we should totally do it. You know, we should do it like the Quakers. Uh, and we did. And I'll tell you what happened in a minute. Um, so, um, anyway, so one of the things that's really interesting is I watched some YouTube videos about people that would speak up in meetings and like, why would they speak? How would they speak? Um, what prompted them to speak? What was the thought process about speaking? And, uh, and this is some of the things that came to mind and I just thought it was so good. So I'm just going to share it. Uh, so the first question, well, one of the things that they said, there's three questions that all Quakers need to ask before they share anything in a community setting. So you're sitting in silence. You feel like maybe the Lord is prompting you to do something. You ask these three questions. Does this message feel like it's from the Holy Spirit? Um, like from the heart or my inner, my inner man or woman versus my head knowledge or my ego. Does this message feel like it's from the Holy Spirit or my head knowledge and my ego? Meaning I learned something. I just want to share it. Not that it's necessarily God leading you to share it. All right. I'll get into that in a minute because that requires some self-awareness and self-reflection. The next question is, is this message for me personally or is this for others? Key question. So many times I've heard people preach, prophesy, sing, minister, uh, in song. And it's just like, man, you were just speaking out of your experience. <laughs> that's not ministering to the body. That's your thing that God is trying to teach you about. And it's pretty clear when they do that. Um, so, so being I have discernment, is this message for me personally or is it for others? Um, and I'm sorry, I keep bounding on the table. I know that shows up in the, in the podcast. I'll, I'll stop doing that. Um, and is it for now or is it for later? So having an idea of the timing of it, is this something I need to share now? Is it need to share later? Um, and what's so fun is the group that is gathered in a Quakers meeting, they were waiting on God. They were not waiting on the person. They're not like, oh, I can't wait to hear this loud mouth who has a huge ego spit all these words out. I just can't wait to be his audience or her audience. Um, no, they're waiting on God. They want to hear God. They don't want to just hear somebody just pontificate. And so, so the group is waiting on God. That's the expectation. So if you don't share it, so if you're thinking about that, the group is waiting on God, you've asked these three questions, and then you start to have to, to, to wonder, if I don't share this, am I doing a disservice to this community by denying something God wants to share? That is so much different than the selfish, motivated, selfie-taking, you know, podcast-making, you know, put me in the list. You know, all this stuff that is so self, you know, your vlog, you know, this is not Christian Vlog 101. Oh, great, I have something I can, you know, you give me a microphone, I can say whatever I want. Like, there was a holiness and a reverence that, you wanted to honor the community. This wasn't about you. If the Lord had something to share through you, it, and you and you said, no, I don't want to do it, it would disservice the community. You know, but you've also done enough self-awareness and self-analysis with the Lord um, that, 
you know, you know that it's not coming from a wrong place. You know, some other sort of like telltale signs of things that the Lord might be leading you to share within this context. Am I being compelled to do it? Can I not not share it? Is there an urgency to what I'm saying? Not that I want to, uh, to speak, but that I have to speak. You feel a, a have to, not a want to. And, and you will not rest until you say or do the thing. God will give you no rest. There's pressure from the Holy Spirit. Your heart is racing. There is, you feel an energy. Your palms are sweating. It has to come out through you. Um, it has to come out through me, but it's not about me. The Holy, and if you know about the Holy Spirit in, in John 17 it, or John 14, it talks a lot about the Holy Spirit making much of Jesus. See, one of the things that I think people, man, the church has been so messed up for so long. It's, it's, it's like you got to re-educate everybody. It's like the Holy Spirit's not going to make much of you. You just won't. That's not the Holy Spirit. It's not going to be like, oh my gosh, look at me, look at me. Like the Holy Spirit's going to be much of Jesus. And I've seen, uh, I, I remember seeing his Christian band years ago, and they were fantastic and so much fun. But man, when you left that concert, you were like, I love Jesus. Somehow, in all their rock and rollness, they, they, they were able to translate across all that, and everybody's eyes were focused on Jesus when they left. Now, like, oh my gosh, they're such a rock and roll star. They did so well at doing that. You can do that. It's really possible not to draw attention to yourself um, and still be used by God publicly in ministry. Um, so, so I just kind of shared a few things. Let me share a couple of scriptures to kind of back this up. So Jeremiah 29, this is Jeremiah speaking. And this talks about when you can't hold it in and it's like an inward burning. And this is Jeremiah speaking. He says, if I say I will not mention his word or speak anymore in his name, his word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up into my bones. I'm weary of holding it. Indeed, I cannot. Jeremiah 29. So this is the kind of compulsion, inner compulsion that you will get from the Holy Spirit if you were to contribute to a community. Uh, Another thing, this is Paul speaking. And he felt this like, heaviness and this weight. And it basically was like, when I preach the gospel, I cannot boast since I am compelled to preach. And then he says, woe to me if I do not preach the gospel, meaning in that's first Corinthians nine sixteen. And so both of these experiences are like, there's a gravity, there's a weight, there is, um, there's, uh, it's almost like I have to do this. And so, so many of us are so immature. And so a lot of times the reason why we're not allowing for the Holy Spirit to mature us in a community and we kind of keep, keep everybody in the, I'm the speaker, you're the receiver, you just be a consumer and I'll be a creator and you made immature and I grow because I have to learn to be able to teach you, you know, that whole crap. And that's a lot of what the church has become. Um, it keeps people perpetually immature. And so they don't figure out how to have discernment. And was that the Lord? And should I share this? And should I not? And 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 I've said it before and I'll say it again. With the difference between wisdom and knowledge, you might have knowledge of something. Wisdom is if I should share it and when I should share it and how I should share it and with whom I should share it with. Like just because you know something doesn't mean it should be shared. Maybe that's just for you. Back to these three questions. Was that just for me?
tell you what happened. So uh, I mentioned before that we had missed church because of some family stuff and we were all sleeping in and whatever. And we were having this wonderful time as a family. And then, you know, I, you know, getting all inspired by the Quakers and all of us participating in the kingdom of God and all this stuff. And I said, hey, let's have church. And I said this to my family. So there's like three adult kids and uh, their girlfriend, uh, two had girlfriends and um, and then uh, my youngest and she was just by herself. So um, anyway, and they were like, all right. And so I said, so let's try it this way. And so, you know, everybody's kind of used to, okay, we're going to have church. So you're going to tell me things. And I said, this is how I want us to do it. I want us to wait before the Lord. I just want us to just wait on God. Be still and know that I'm God. Just, just settle in. And, and I kind of gave them the three questions. I gave them some guidance, like I'm telling you guys now. And let's just see what God does. Let's see how the Lord leads us as a family to, you know, what he wants to say. My wife ends up reading a scripture. And what was so funny was she read a scripture and then it was just kind of like, no explanation. Just read the scripture. And I was kind of like, okay. And we just kind of sat there. And we just sat there in silence. And, you know, and I'm a bit of a like, like, let's get this going. Let's make sure it's okay. Let's, uh, you know, I'm the one that tends to be a bit of a control freak with all this stuff. And I'm just, and I've really felt from the Lord, like, set the stage and shut up. (laughs) That's basically what I felt from the Lord. Like, do not insert yourself in this. I'm going to do things. And so then, and then it ended up like, Another one of my kids kind of spoke up and said a few things and uh, somebody else said something. And then my other son was like reading the Bible randomly and and was just like, hey, I just want to offer this. read something. It was super impactful and awesome. And uh, and then it ended up kind of like a quasi Bible study a little bit, you know, and I was able to participate in stuff. Um, And then at the very end, um, uh, my oldest son, he basically said, hey, why don't we pray for each other? Uh, it's something that we actually have done as a family. It's very sweet, uh, particularly at Christmas, is that we'll do all of our Christmas stuff and open up our presents. And that, you know, sort of the best gift is, is Jesus and what he wants to give to us. And so sometimes we'll set aside time around sometime either before breakfast or after breakfast. And we'll just spend a focused amount of time praying for each individual in the family. And just just kind of wait on God. Pray whatever the Lord gives you to pray. Uh, give them scripture, give them encouragement, love on them, affirm them, you know, whatever it is, um, just do that. And so that's what we ended up doing. And what's so great about this is, you know, there were there were others involved, you know, and it wasn't just uh, our core family. And so they got to participate in this. And it was so wonderful. And, and because of the way it happened, everybody was kind of open to what happened. Whereas if I was like, Hey, let's do this. Hey, let's do that. Hey, let's do this. You know, more often than not, and this has been my experience, maybe it's been your experience as well, is that it's kind of like, it's like, oh, dad, why did you do this? And why did you do that? Whereas when it's coming from your own kids and they're being prompted by the Lord to do things, it's just so much better. And so that's my challenge to you. If you've listened this far in the podcast, you're awesome and you're amazing. And you should try this. Try this with your community. Sit in silence for the Lord. Use this podcast. Um, use some of the scriptures uh, I, I gave. Study your own study of the Quakers and, and kind of figure out how you can set the stage for God to teach your community. 
And man, it's so much fun. Oh, and the other thing that I wanted to highlight is obviously, you know, I'm the dad, you know, mom, my, my wife's the mom of, of all the kids. They're praying for us and ministering to us. I mean, that was just in and of itself. Like, that's so powerful. Like I can think of me as a 20 year old trying to minister to my, you know, that my, my, my father and my mother would be vulnerable, that they would be willing and humble enough to receive from me as their kid. That is huge. But think about now church context where pastors are humble enough. Leaders are humble enough. You know, all the, all the people on stage are willing to receive, receive and receive and not just always be the ones that are speaking and giving. That is how the body of Christ is supposed to act. And so a lot of these scandals that I kind of went off on a little bit earlier in this podcast, a lot of that stuff scandals is when there's huge distances between the guy or the woman and the congregation and they do not intersect. You know, there is no openness for feedback and integration and mutual dependency and and I don't know. I think the long, the, the more I stick around, the more I'm kind of just believing in small communities because I don't know how you can do this. Not well. I'll say this: Jesus fed the five thousand. He had teaching moments with large crowds, but growth happened in smaller settings. Uh, that's just how it is. And and um, I think that's it. So I hope you enjoyed this. Uh, I am trying to get some new guests on, so getting some exciting conversations going. Uh, So do stay tuned. And you guys, I appreciate you. I love you. And I'm out. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Hey, if you did like it, it would be really helpful if you want to send us a review over on iTunes. That would be really cool. And if you want to connect, go over to Instagram, search Troy Mangum or The Kindling Fire, and we can connect there, and that would be a great way to kind of stay in touch. I am doing a YouTube channel, so we do video formats of these podcasts, and we'd love to have you look there. Okay, guys, until next time, be awesome.